So, the big question is this. How are ambitious people like us, who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. Please like, share, and subscribe to get new episodes, videos, and other updates. All right. Uh, welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. Today, I will be in an interesting conversation with two amazing entrepreneurs. Um, their names are Jeff Schechter, better known as Shecky, and Jack Gibson. So Shecky, Jack, and I will be talking about entrepreneurship and how it can be uh, treated as a journey of personal transformation. Um, Jack, Jack and Shecky are high-return real estate guys. They are co-founders of a company named High Return Real Estate, which is based in Indianapolis, uh, USA. Even though their business is uh, real estate, more than buying and selling houses or renting apartments, their service is much more driven to helping their clients to obtain multiple streams of income. So that's awesome. Welcome, guys. How are you doing today? Yeah, we're great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah awesome. Excited to be here. Awesome. Same here. We are uh, eager to learn uh, from you and uh, learn from all the wisdom that you have uh, to share uh, today with our audience. Um, now, when we talk about real estate and, uh, you know, even um, uh, from your company's uh, objective, it sounds like you enable people to uh, create um, passive income or multiple streams of income. So let's talk about that first. What do you, what do you uh, mean by passive income or multiple streams of income? Jack, that's your your wheelhouse. That's my that's my baby right there. Take that one. Yeah, I love I love all things passive income for right. sure. <laughs> well, I look at you know I look at passive income as either people at work or money at work, and that's the only two ways you can really do it, right? So if you have people at work, for example, in a multi level marketing structure, right, that business model is, is designed to create passive income because you have yeah. people that are distributing a product into the marketplace, and yeah. and you keep getting a um, uh, incremental return on that based on the sales every single month for, you know, forever long that continue, product continues to sell, right? So it's, that's passive income work that you did previously. Um, and then you have money at work, right? Where you put your capital out there and you're creating an income stream that comes in every month and you're really not involved. You're not active with it. It's not anything that you're actually having to put time, energy, additional time, energy into. So, that's the model that we've created for our investors is a passive income stream because essentially the product, the properties are all managed for them. Uh, but beyond that, it's a turnkey approach. So that's everything is done for them from the acquisition, the rehab, tenant placement, the management, the maintenance and repairs, all of that is, um, you know, is taken care of by our team. So that essentially is, is really true passive income. If you're, if you're out there, you know, making, getting calls from tenants or doing repairs or, you know, you're at Lowe's, you're not, you're an active investor. You're not passive. So um, that's, that's kind of the distinguishing factor, I think, is, is the sweat equity that you're putting in. That's awesome. So now, does that imply that in order to 
uh, turn your active income where you have to work and you know put in your time into passive income you need to have significant amount of investments or or equity or you know cash in hand or well i mean it's a good idea you, you know like jack said you're either going to have people working for you to create passive income or you're going to have money working for you to create passive income so you know if you're a you know a person who's owning we we call it w2 income in the united states and canada it's very simpler but if you're taking home a paycheck and you're taking home a decent paycheck and you are able to hopefully live on less money than what you're bringing in mm-hmm. then the additional money should be used to improve your lifestyle it should be used to build wealth yeah, yeah. and there's obviously a number of ways that you can do that there's different investments you know there's there's stocks there's, there's bitcoin there's there's you know gosh you can flip luxury cars too there's all kinds of things that you can be doing sure. but in our world uh, where we've seen more millionaires made and more people develop real wealth is within owning rental properties via real estate. Yeah. And, you know, we, we don't necessarily, at least in our area, see a lot of appreciation, but there is always the potential for appreciation. But the reason that the model works is because you're actually holding something of real value yeah. that can appreciate. And you're also, and that piece of that investment, that property is, performing for you 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 always have something that's that's rentable that has the capability to make money yeah uh, if you're if you're buying stocks and bonds and things like that uh, to a certain extent you're relying on the ceo of that particular corporation who is supposed to be true to the shareholders and relying on that individual to actually do a good job and bring profits yeah. whereas with real estate you have a lot more control over that I mean, you can pick and choose which kind of property you want to buy, which kind of neighborhood you want to be in, you can really, really control the process for something to perform the way you want it to perform. Yeah. Well, that's uh, well said. Uh, so the, the premise of my question was because we have uh, many young entrepreneurs and, you know, people who are just trying to um, get into business for themselves. Uh, you know, many times they sort of get, um, they hesitate to get into real estate because it implies large sums of investment. So mm-hmm. um, that's why I was asking, you know, uh, like, is, is it, is it uh, comfortable for somebody who's just starting off uh, to start with a, with a, with a smaller investment? Yeah. So it definitely depends on what um, area of real estate they're going to go into. Right. So if they if, if they want to be a passive investor, yeah, that's going to take capital. There's no, no way around it. So they're going to have to have already used their active, you know, um, income creation skill sets to be able to then transfer that extra cash that they've saved into, you know, purchasing real estate. If they want to get into real estate, um, you know, without a lot of capital, I mean, there's different avenues like wholesaling, um, you know, there's other areas that you can do, but however, like what we're doing, it would not work for them. Like the the model's not set up um, for for anything else than people that actually have created capital. That's, so that's our model. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, um, speaking of young people now, I, I know that, uh, you know, as entrepreneurs, you must have had some uh, struggles when you started off. Uh, so uh, will you be uh, open to sharing some of those uh, lessons that you learned earlier on in your entrepreneurial life? <laughs> sure. Where do we I begin? remember that far back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, I'll let Shecky kind of, so I just want to say, you know, I was just thinking about this this morning. I mean, business is tough. Mm-hmm. 
we don't always know what we're signing up for. You know, it's a lot of things in life are tough. I mean, you sign up for marriage and it's, it's, you know, like we're going to ride off into the sunset together. Right. But uh, it's, it's not that way. It's, 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 it's tough. I mean, it just, it is. I mean, for most of us anyways, and I think for business is the same. I mean, you sign up, you're, you're, you don't realize exactly what you're maybe what you're signing up for. It's not to discourage anybody because I think marriage is wonderful. I think um, business is, it can be wonderful, but you got to know going in that it's probably going to be tougher than what your expectations are when you sign yeah. up for it. Sure. Sure. So just keep going. Basically that's like, yeah. yeah. I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, <laughs> you want to live an extraordinary life. You're going to, you're going to have to go through some tough times. I mean, the average, the average people that, you know, they just live kind of, what, what is it? Uh, they say lives of uh, quiet, ex, you know, existence. Desperation. Yeah. Quiet desperation. There you go. Yeah. Um, they don't really ever get to experience the, uh, you know, the joys that, that we do as entrepreneurs. So I think yeah. it's, a, it's an awesome, it's an awesome thing that they want to do. It's just your expectations have got to be, you know, right going in and you've got to have a coat of armor on when you come yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's so true. Like a lot of people talk to me and uh, you know, uh, that phrase that you used uh, uh, is very appropriate. I mean, they are frustrated and they want to get out of their situation, but um, I find that most people don't want to take action. So, you yeah. know, uh, taking action and then being ready for what's, uh, what's to come. I think that that's important. And then, as you said, like, you know, it's a thrilling ride. Like, you know, once you succeed, it's, uh, there's no better feeling um, than that. Right. Well, yeah. Once you succeed, then you want to go off and do something else or do the next one. And, yeah, that's right. you know, instead of enjoying the fruits of your labor, you, you go off and start up something else and sign up for the challenges all over again. And yeah, yeah. that's the way entrepreneurs are built though. And that's, that's true. That's true. We, um, we love, love and thrive on challenges. So. Yeah, Jackie, exactly. I know you wanted to add something in cause you've, you've had quite, quite a few ventures as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been self-employed my whole life essentially. And, and I've had jobs actually where I've gone out and done those jobs, sales jobs where I know I can make good commissions basically to foster my entrepreneurial habits because mm. I knew I wanted to, to sock some money away to start the next venture or whatever. But Jack, you touched on something that I think is, is probably the most important lesson that I've always learned is really resilience. Yeah. Um, you know, even in our business, we're only three years in, we've got a very, very successful company, but gosh, we have been kicked in the teeth so many times already far more than what Jack and I would have ever imagined. And, and we, you know, we both came to the table already with some pretty decent successes, previous successes under our belt. So yeah. it's not like we were brand new, you know, young kids fresh out of college or anything like that. You know, we, we understand the game and even with that experience and even with that understanding, our level of resilience has been challenged to the maximum degree. And, and it's okay. You know, in other words, a, a smart, a good entrepreneur is going to go, Hey, you know what? We're kicked in the teeth, but we're going to get through it and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And Manoush, you, you used a word called action. And I think that's the other, the other key component to the magic there is to say, okay, not only am I re resilient when I get kicked in the teeth, but can I then get back up and take not just action, but take inspired action yeah. as though, like, am I using that 
that fork in the road or this, you know, current challenge to create a more inspired action? Or am I just, you know, still walking around all beaten up? Yeah. And so I, I think those, those are the real keys to being a successful entrepreneur, no matter what niche you're in. Yeah, exactly. That's where the growth comes from, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right. So um, I heard one of your podcasts uh, and, uh, you know, in one of the episodes you mentioned uh, the your first paycheck as an entrepreneur was uh, $14. Is that is that right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was in my, um, you know, the, the multi-level marketing business. I'm still in today, 21 years later. And it I had a tough start. I mean, it took me nine months just to get the first commission check. Now I was making money, you know, so I'm not like totally crazy, like to, to wait nine months, right. To get a $14 paycheck. I was making money through direct sales, but as far as, you know, developing a team and creating the passive income, yeah, it was, it was the first one. And, you know, but when I got it though, I mean, I knew what it represented to me. It was, I was like, I wasn't disappointed at all. I was actually very ecstatic about the check just because of what it represented in terms of the beginnings of passive income for me. That was my first passive income check. I actually made a copy of it and I still have it today um, because I knew that, you know, the, that the amounts were going to go up. So I wanted to kind of document that journey of the growth. Right. And I, I, I know for sure that, you know, just having two different businesses, both, you know, multi-million dollars in sales per year, I'm most happy when, when I'm growing, like, and it doesn't matter what level of which I'm at when I'm growing, it's the growth is what creates the joy and kind of excitement for me. So when that first check went from 14 to $93, I was, I I love that. That was great. I was excited. You know, I was, I was just having fun and you know, the check could go, you know, from a big, big amount to a much bigger amount. And it's probably about the same level of excitement. It's, yeah. it's, it's how much is it growing? It's, that's what's really, I think, for an entrepreneur is gets us kind of like really um, juiced up, so to speak. Yeah, 400% uh, increase in them. Yeah. It's not bad, for sure. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that's important as entrepreneurs is that we project that out in, into, like not only internally and then externally out to the marketplace too, because the marketplace responds to that. Yeah, yeah. You know, people want to be a part of something that has a vision that they want to be a part of something that has, you know, growth attached to it. I mean, all humans want to grow. We all want to grow. Yeah. yeah. So that, be, yeah. we want to be around that. Exactly. And then uh, as, as the growth happens, you know, even, even our attitude uh, changes, like, you know, becomes more positive, which people get attracted to and sort of it snowballs, isn't it? Yeah. And I, I, we tell our guys all the time, you know, when we're training, um, you know, you know, sales reps, they look, you got to have a great attitude first and then the check will follow. Yeah. You know, you got to have the, you got to have a positive attitude first and then you'll start attracting other positive people. Yeah. You can't expect to have create and attract success first without first having the right state and the right attitude and the right emotions. Yeah. Correct. All right. So, uh, so that was quite inspiring. Now let's talk about some of the hard things, um, which we touched upon earlier as well, but let's try to get into some specifics. Um, Jack, uh, what can you tell us about businesses that go well for a few years initially and then suddenly fail um, because of various reasons? Uh, have you experienced it yourself or observe uh, some other entrepreneurs go through this and what kind of lessons uh, people can learn from that? 
Well, yeah, I mean, in, in I can just totally tell the, the, the story of, you know, how high return real estate was created. You know, when I first signed up, I, w- I started off as a passive investor and I was excited about my return. So I started referring and, and marketing um, the, the properties and I brought in 5 million plus worth of cash business in the first 12 months. Wow. And I tell people all the time, look, that the reason why that happened was because of the networks and the trust that I've built up with other human beings over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was, I was an overnight success in real estate, but it wasn't like overnight. It was built on fundamentals yeah. uh, over the last several years, right? So I was cranking and I was doing great. I was making really incredible, you know, income from that. And then it turned out like the the original partner that I came in with, I mean, he was in all intents and purposes, either he was a fraud or a terrible businessman. I don't know for sure today, whether which one, I think it's a combo of both, mm-hmm. but that, that whole, you know, thing crashed and burned and I ended up being stuck taking care of all these investors that I brought in mm-hmm. that I had to try to figure out how to fix up the properties, get them back performing again. And we've done that. We're about pretty much almost cleared, but that was a major pain, uh, painful lesson of, you know, really like who do you decide to partner with? I was say the great uh, saying from president Ronald Reagan is trust, but verify, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I should have, uh, I should have verified you know, this guy uh, uh, more. So that's, you know, that's one thing, but you know, one thing too, though, I, I didn't verify Shecky's background either and he turned out to be great. So <laughs> yeah, not bad. yeah, ish. Right? <laughs> so, so that brings us to an interesting point. How did you guys meet? How did you, how did you come? Did you know each other before this venture? Yeah. So we actually, Jack and I had a phone relationship and no, that's not as weird as it sounds. But <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, I was uh, living in Austin, Texas, which as most people know is kind of a Mecca for internet marketers and entrepreneurs in the digital marketing community. And I was very well connected there. I was actually working for a, with, for, with a buddy of mine who owned a social media agency and I had helped him develop a coaching and consulting division there. So we were teaching business owners how to do what we were doing in the agency. And essentially, uh, you know, the model was, you know, throw a class, put 10, 12 good entrepreneurs in there, teach them some stuff. And the upsell was individual coaching. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite students was a guy who bought up some individual coaching was this dude that happens to be on the screen right here, Mr. Jack Gibson. And so I was helping him with his nutrition distributorship. And we, we already had a working relationship and respect for each other. And at the time, actually, interestingly, I was looking to leave that company because it wasn't mine. I had my own little division within there, but I was kind of itching to get back into full entrepreneurship and have my own deal. Mm-hmm. And I remember writing up, I kept a little uh, whiteboard in my home office and I just wrote down uh, five things that I was looking for in my next business. You know, I want to, I want to sell a high ticket item. I want to leverage my consultative selling skills. I want to be the best in my space. Um, I, I want to, and I don't want to work alone. I, w- I want to have a partner. I don't even remember what the fifth one was now. But uh, so I just put it up there and just completely forgot about it, just kind of left it out there to the universe. And um, 
don't know, it was maybe six weeks later, I got a call from Jack and he's like, dude, I, um, I've been buying some real estate in Indianapolis and selling some stuff to friends and families and it's going pretty well. And I think there's a real business here. Can I book a call with you to just talk about how to market this stuff? And I was like, sure, dude. I mean, dude, you're Jack. I'm not, it's not even, I'm going to charge you. It's not billable hours. Like, let's just get on the phone and brainstorm ideas. And I remember we had booked an hour and the call went like something like over three hours. I mean, it was just, we were on this really great, uh, you know, just the energy was really great on that call. We were very much on the same page and uh, a lot of great ideas that came out of there. It was mostly just a brainstorming session. So as a courtesy, I typed up in an email the 10 or 12 main bullet points that had come out of that conversation and I emailed it to Jack. Mm-hmm. The very next day, I got back an email saying, okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, let's do what? You know, WTF, what are you talking about here? Like, it's just like, no, I want you to be my partner. Like, this is, you've got, you know, the marketing skills and the bandwidth for that stuff that I don't have. You know, you're looking for another opportunity. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And, you know, I said, let me, you know, give it some thought. Give me a day or two, whatever. And I hang up the phone. And I look up at the whiteboard and I see all the things that I had written down a few weeks earlier. And it's like, check, 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 check. Like every little box was ticked. And it was like, I knew very, very quickly that this was going to be something that I should do. It was, I almost looked at it. It was like a sign from the universe. So I got my butt on a plane and um, very quickly uh, flew up from Austin up to Indianapolis. And we met with the then supplier, the one that, we're still lamenting about and um, and we you know bought a couple of properties we started getting involved and you know one thing led to another and eventually be, again partially because of some very negative things that happened as a result of that initial supplier mm-hmm. we were forced into really building this whole business model out ourselves we were we were initially just going to be a sales and marketing arm which would have been great and easy peasy and we would have done just fine but since then We've uh, opened up a property management company and a construction company and, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff just for fun. <laughs> very cool. That's yeah. very cool. Um, all right. So you brought up, uh, you know, a couple of things which uh, um, I have an affinity to for sure, like universe. And I know you are into meditation and things like that. And obviously, you know, we are talking about uh, 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 treating your business as a way for personal transformation. So can you share a little bit about uh, that side of your personality and how it helps you in, in your business and also putting this uh, partnership together and making sure it stays together? Well, that's a, there's a lot of answers there. Yeah, um, I'll hit the highlights. I mean, basically, um, I, Jack and I have, uh, you know, and, and essentially it's like a marriage and we have a really, really great relationship. And whether we actually came out and said we were going to do this, we, we sort of have a tacit agreement between us that whatever the issues are, we're always going to talk things through mm-hmm. and we're always going to do what's best for the company. Sure. And, and you touched on this earlier, Manoj, too, in that the, the driving force behind our company is everything we do is worked backwards from what is the best thing for our investors, mm-hmm. which are our clients, our customers. What's the best thing for investors? Because if it's good for them, and we can back into it that way, then it's going to be good for us. And that has served us really, really well. Um, another maybe side comment is I had um, a gentleman in my car, I don't know, a few days ago, 
and he represents a lot of business for us and it would really bring our business to a whole nother level. And I mentioned to Jack that I don't think I would have been able to have had the level of conversation that I had with this gentleman two years ago that I did the other day. And that's truly a function of just being involved and gritting it out and toughing it out every day in the trenches. So people complain from an entrepreneurial standpoint about like, oh, it's so much work. It's so much hard work. That's true. But it makes you good. It makes you strong. It makes you like if you want to be a leader in your industry, then go ahead and do all the hard stuff. Like Mm -hmm. that's what. That's what makes you great. That's what makes you valuable to your teammates. That's what makes you valuable to your partner. That's what makes you valuable to your, to your customers in whatever space you're in. So I, I say we just have to, we have to do the hard work and we have to embrace it. But it becomes easier to embrace when you understand what's on the backside of that. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So um, that's amazing. Uh, now, now, uh, you know, I, I was also referring to your meditation practice. So is like, does that, does that um, have any effect? Like how often do you practice or, or do you treat your business as, as sort of a meditation? I don't know that I treat the business as a meditation because there's <laughs> too many moving parts, you know, it's too I complex. The business yeah. is more the opposite of meditation, which is what we call the monkey mind. Yeah. Um, but cause we're pulled in a million different directions, but I use, both yoga and meditation as a way to completely turn off the business and get out of my head because there's so much cerebral stuff going on that I really have to tune in. And and as you know, yoga, I try to go to yoga about 10 minutes early. And so what I'll do is I'll just lay on my back in Shavasana pose and, you know, just corpse pose and just feel my body. I'm trying very hard to get into my body and out of my head because I think that's where, you know, all the meditators will tell you the, the pathways to insight and intuition come from almost detaching from the stuff you really have to think about. It's kind of counterintuitive, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, Jack will tell you, you know, it's almost, it seems like two or three times a week. I, I mean, we have a little walkie-talkie app on our phone called Voxer that we use, and I'm texting with like, hey, I have this brilliant idea. You know, like, what do you think of this? I have no idea where these are coming from. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's really the, the function is they, they come more frequently and more clear the more I'm attuned to meditating, which is not as often as I'd like. Yeah. Um, or especially when I'm going to yoga often and getting there early so that I can do that practice, then those ideas seem to come and flow much easier. Awesome. That's great. And uh, have you been, uh, how about you, Jack? Uh, do you, do you meditate or have, have, uh, has uh, just been able to sort of influence you into that um, uh, practice? Yeah. He, no, he hasn't gotten me there. Cause uh, <laughs> you know, I, I need action, you know, I need to be in action, yeah. but I do know this. Um, my best ideas come when I just, kids are gone, wife's gone, house is very quiet and I'll just sit out. I have this, I have this chair. It's like my dedicated thinking chair, right? Yeah. And I'll just go sit there. Sometimes just I won't have a book or anything. Sometimes I'll read a book, but oftentimes I'll just sit there. If I really am trying to figure something out, I'll just think for an hour. Yeah. And uh, I, my best ideas come from that. 
So I don't know. It's it's I wouldn't call it uh, you know meditation per se, but it's pretty darn close. Well, it's a, it's it's pretty close, I guess. You know, some a lot of people start that way, right? I mean, yeah, they just uh, quiet their mind down and sort of uh, think about their own thoughts, and and that's sort of yeah. uh, you know what meditation is about in, yeah. in short, right? Yeah, um, and I think that's extremely important to do because I mean, you know, we can get into so much you know, email box and Facebook and and Instagram and all these apps, you know, that are constantly bombarding us throughout a day. And if we don't like put that aside and just quiet that down and just have some time to actually reflect and, and, and use like our God given thinking ability. Right. Yeah. Um, And then, and that's where we get our inspiration from as well. So yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely take, take a a pretty serious. Um, now, a uh, couple of more questions. Um, how did you figure out, uh, like, uh, I'm assuming real estate was not your core business. Uh, you know, you, did you have any experience with real estate before this? I didn't know. I mean, I know Shecky flipped some houses back quite a while ago, but I, the only experience that I had is my very first, uh, you know, bachelor pad house I got, I bought when I first moved up to this town in Michigan. Um, I, I'll, we lived there. I lived there for about seven years, and then we went to sell it in 2008, right? And we all know that story. So the, the, <laughs> I couldn't sell the, the house, so we just started, converted it into a rental, and I rented it for 10 years, and that made me realize, like, wow, there's. I mean, it was never vacant, not one month um, throughout the 10 years. So yeah. I knew that wow, there is a serious demand for for rental property. Like, there's this is no joke, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave me the confidence to say, okay, let's. Let's go out and build. I want to build a portfolio. I want to get more of these like this. And the problem, however, was that in my town here in Southwest Michigan, small town USA, right? There just wasn't enough deals to scale up a portfolio. I mean, I could find onesies, twosies, maybe. Um, so that's where what led me to Indianapolis is because it's an awesome cash flow market, but you can scale. I mean, almost not. I would say infinitely, but you can scale a huge portfolio there and get great cash on cash returns. Great. So, um, yeah, so basically, you know, the premise is like, even if you don't like for young entrepreneurs, even if you don't know everything about the business that you're entering in, you know, it's, it's, it takes time, but you can figure it out and, and just uh, be fearless and get in there. And um, yeah, we, we, uh, the, the ready aim fire. No, that's not what we do. Yeah. We fire and then we get ready and then we aim. Yeah. And that's we just we just go at it. Now I'm much more so like that. Shecky's much more the ready, 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 aim, 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 and then fire. And then I'm the opposite. So together, it's like we, you know, have a great you know um, kind of balance between that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think overall, like you're gonna figure as an entrepreneur. I mean, you got to dive in, and you're gonna you're gonna make mistakes, and you're gonna make big mistakes probably as you go. You just want to make sure that the mistakes that you do make don't knock you out of the game. Mm-hmm. So if you can figure out how to just min- minimize them enough to where you can still stay in the game and keep playing, then you know, you're going to be able to recover. So we've made some pretty big mistakes that have almost knocked us out of the game, but through our resiliency and just working through it, we, we are able to you know, make it happen and make it through. Yeah, and I will say, Manoush, to your point, I mean, if we look at where we're at now, you know, nearly three years later, you know, yes, I had a flipping business, 
we probably knew five to six percent of what we know now yeah. when we started this company. It's certainly not 10. Like it's a very, very small number. Yeah. And most of our success has come from building processes to continue to avoid the mistakes that we kept making. Yeah. Like, what can we put in place to make sure that this never happens again? Okay. Well, and, and that's all we did. We, we just kept building and we're still doing it. We cool. continue to build processes that keep smoothing things out both internally for our teams and externally for our investors. That's and great. as long as any entrepreneur does that, they will have a very successful company. Well said, well said. Um, now, one, one of the things I know um, that you care about is social responsibility. So can you talk about that and how you incorporate that into your business? Jack, you should take that because you're a much nicer guy than I am. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we, I just have a pretty strong rule. I mean, you know, for those who have been, you know, given a lot, I mean, I think it's important for them to be, you know, giving back to others. Um, you know, your first thing is, as you know, you want to provide for your basic needs, right? You want to provide for your family. Um, and then you want to provide a next level lifestyle for your family. And then anything, you know, beyond that, I mean, you really don't need. So we, uh, we give quite a bit back to our community. Um, so there's a long list of different um, charities and different organizations that we give to. We don't honestly, though, give a lot of time. I find it easier to give a, a check than to, to put my time in. Yeah. You know, I think it's for people, for those that dedicate and, and volunteer their time, that's extremely valuable too. So, yeah. so if you don't have a, a lot of money to give, you can give time. Uh, that's huge. Yeah. You know, one thing I did uh, that I'm really proud of is back uh, a year ago, we had a hundred year flood in, in Southwest Michigan. All the conditions were just ripe and it flooded out some of the uh, trailer parks that were along the river and people were displaced. It was pretty devastating. And we raised um, $5,000. We gave $5,000 check to the Red Cross, but it was a matching check. So we, we were able to generate over 20,000 to help those families that were in need. And, you know, I just, I'm very proud of being able to do something like that to be able to make a difference for other people. Cause at the end of the day, I mean, that's, I think partly why I work so hard is so that we can be able to be make a difference. Awesome. That's great. All right. Uh, thanks a lot for such a great interview and sharing all your wisdom. Uh, now, before I let you go, can you speak a little bit about yourself, uh, sorry, about your company, uh, what kind of service you provide and how people can reach you? Yeah. So we're, our company is called High Return Real Estate and we provide what's called a turnkey service, which is really just a complete end-to-end -end solution for investors that want to own high return cash flowing rental properties. And we take all the risks. So we go out and buy the property with our own money. We rehab it with our own money. We place the tenant. We make sure everything is okay. We call in a third party inspector, make sure everything is okay. We get it cash flowing and stabilized. And then we sell it to the investor. So they get all the benefits of you know, the tax deductions and the write-offs and things for the expenses on the property, but we also manage it for them after they own it. So almost every one of our investors does not live here in Indianapolis. Uh, hmm. We're here because not only our teams are here, but the prices are very, very inexpensive. Most of our pricing is between forty-five dollars and $75,000 typically for almost all of our properties. Uh -huh. And um, 
we're, uh, they're, they're living in more like where you are in Vancouver and uh, the West Coast and East Coast, all these other places, and even around the world, where the price to rent ratios and the prices themselves are far more expensive than what we can yeah. get here. So, you know, because of the internet and being able to share files easily and, you know, the world is very much shrinking from a communication standpoint, it's very easy for us to do this and show the complete transparency of everything that we're doing, even from a distance. And it's not to say that we don't have investors that come visit us. We do, but the great majority are buying our properties sight unseen and either way is fine with us. But yeah, we've developed a really, really nice service. Um, and if you, you know, for anybody that wants to find out more about what we're up to, the site is the same as our name, high return real estate.com. And right on there, you can do that. We also have a podcast called the high return real estate show. We've got a YouTube channel with the same name. So we've, we've got a lot of information out there. Most of the content that we're providing is specifically for investors that want the best returns for buy and hold type investing. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Just to throw in something on top. So this just, just happened yesterday. So it's fresh in mind, top of mind. You know, we take a lot of the risk out of, out for the investor. Now, of course, not all. I mean, there's, there's certainly you're <coughs> less property. So, you're going to have things that are going to break in these houses. You're going to have vacancy happen. You're going to have tenant turn bills. You know, there's, there's, we cannot eliminate all of the risks, nor should we. We'd have to charge a lot more above market price to be able to cover all those expenses profitably, right? Yeah. But yesterday, for example, an investor reached out to me. He's like, I just, um, I saw my statement. There's a $3,000, you know, bill for a, a, um, underground sewage replacement the pipe like broke you know from the house to the street right mm-hmm. well in indiana that's the responsibility of the um, of the owner of the property and so he's kind of freaking out i'm like i'm like josh look dude like you are in good hands man this is why you bought from us yeah you don't pay that at all that's a warranted item we are going to cover that for you awesome. we're digging replacing and you won't get a bill for that so that's an example of like why investors are, you know, why they're doing business with us because we stand behind our properties and the quality and we take care of things when they come up. You know, sometimes there's things as in a real estate investor like that, that there's no way you could possibly know when you bought the property that that could happen. And we don't know either, you know, unless you go down and inspect every single, you know, everything in a property, which is very difficult to, to do and costly. You just take care of it as it happens. and so. Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what we do. That's awesome. That's great. All right. So what I'll do is I'll uh, get that URL and add it to the show notes so that uh, people can reach out uh, easily. Um, and uh, thanks a lot again uh, for such a wonderful interview. I'm sure everyone enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. Thank you. Thank you, Manish. Awesome. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate being here. So again, I'm Manoj Agarwal, and thanks a lot for joining us on Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. And now, if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur, then I invite you to check out my new online workshop, Bootstrapping Your Tech Startup Dreams. Go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast and sign up for free. I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects. Let's start finding solutions to your problems. So go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast 
and I look forward to helping you with your tech startup.